0: Thanks again for joining us here at SpinCast. Today, we have with us directly from Atlanta, Mr. Ryan Johnson, with an organization known as Community. I'll let Ryan kind of get right into who he is, how he got into this space a little bit, and also what he does with Community, why it was founded, and what it serves. So without further ado, thank you, Ryan, for joining us this morning, and I will let you hop right into it.
1: No, absolutely. And good morning or good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of the day that you listen to this uh, live stream. Um, But, you know, as Rick stated, my name is Ryan Johnson. I am the founder and executive director of Community. Um, we are a nonprofit organization that focuses on increasing minority participation uh, within the esports and video game industry. Um, so where we focus is less actually on the gameplay and game development of students, and where we're very um, we have a strong emphasis is introducing students, parents, and also corporations to the multidisciplinary career paths that the esports industry and video game industry have to offer. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize right off the bat is that the video game industry, depending on what article you're reading, is anywhere between 140 and $160 billion in annual recurring revenue. Um, so when you look at that year over year, video games is one of the only industries throughout history that has consistently grown year over year. Um, so in comparison, when you look at the film and music industry, um, the video game industry is worth more than those two industries combined. Um, and that... And so for us, when we look, when I look at gaming, when I look at esports, um, I kind of see the perfect marriage of traditional sports being the NFL, NBA, MLS, and then your collegiate and high school athletics b- beneath that, um, your music industry, and then also your film and television all coming to one to make and form what we now know as esports. So for me, um, in what community where we really lie, and, and John Cash, one of our board members who I know you know pretty well, Rick, he would agree with this, is that we find ourselves living at the intersection of sports, entertainment, and society, Um, and really just how do we blend all three of those together to not only generate revenue while creating fan and engaging experiences, but also then how do we leverage this to impact the local community and youth to inspire, you know, academic and educational growth?
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So everyone has a little bit of a story as to why they specifically started to focus in the esports space, if you will. What got you involved? What, how, what was that turning point or starting point for you? Well, I'll
1: go back to when I was six years old. Um, so <laughs> uh, gaming has always been a, a really big component of my life. So I'm originally from South Carolina, but I grew up in Maryland. Um, so yeah. my grandparents and cousins, they were always in South Carolina. So every summer, my mom would literally drop me off in South Carolina for about two months. And then she would just pick me back up and bring me back to Maryland. So um, while I was in South Carolina, I lied to you not, all we would do was go to basketball camp in the day. Um, We would go to a little vacation Bible school. And then at night from about seven to two o'clock in the morning, it was game time. And so summer after summer, you know, we were competing to the point where I was around eight or nine years old. I got my first console at my home when I was um, back in Maryland. So that just started the trilogy. So started really on PlayStation 1. All those Sly Coopers, Ratchet and Clanks, like cycle through all of those games. Uh, finally, transitioned in high school, and that was probably where I had the biggest gaming experience. So, um, my whole life, I've always been in very diverse settings. Right, I've always been maybe one or two of African Americans within my class. So, I've always had like this weird notion of kind of like, for lack of better words, being. Um, too white to be around black kids and too black to be around white kids so i always found myself like in my own isolated silo um so where i found a lot of solace and social experiences was over xbox live because in that virtual environment right it didn't matter what skin color you were how your voice sounded how tall you were your gender it was are you good at this game do you show up on the leaderboards or do you not um so that was kind of like an eye-opening experience so in tandem with playing high school basketball. I was playing games. I actually went to college and kind of fell off. Um, I, I played college basketball, so I, I wasn't spending as much time playing video games. Um, but shortly after graduating, I actually moved directly to Atlanta. And then now I'm thrown into a world that is consumed of lights, entertainment, lights, camera, action, uh, for lack of better words. So after being in Atlanta for Now, making this my fifth year, the first three years I actually spent working as an IT consultant. Um, So I would go into corporations. We would help them um, with their data center um, changes, cybersecurity, cloud, infrastructure. And that was my real first shot learning about tech because I actually graduated with a degree in physical therapy. So like my story is kind of all over the place. So hopefully like some people can identify where I'll just say this is that you don't have to have a straight path from A to B. There's a lot of stops that you can make and those stops along the way. will definitely build and kind of get you to a point where you can kind of live out your life's dreams and purposes. So my first three years, um, I worked in IT here in Atlanta. Um, My third year actually quit and I'm finishing up right now my master's in sports administration at Georgia State University um, with the intention of like literally leaving corporate America to get sports experiences so then I could combine what I thought at the time would be technology and sports to better society. Um, lo and behold, this is 2017, 2018 ish, and I was still unfamiliar about the industry of esports. Mind you, I grew up playing video games, right? So, going back to that education at a younger age about an industry, you had a kid that played video games nonstop and never heard about esports until he actually got literally went to grad school for sports management until um, I actually learned about the industry. So, while I was working, um, my first semester at Georgia State, I actually met a venture group called Rise Ventures, um, and they, they specialize in sports entertainment, investing in early stage companies. So by joining Rise, that's where I first got my entry into esports because they made an early investment into a gaming center here called Axis Replay in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so that was my first full on experience um, in 2018, uh, getting into esports full time. So we did some pretty cool stuff um, at Ax- with Rise Ventures and Access Replay. If you guys are familiar that are the listeners, some really awesome conferences in the southeast or wherever you're listening, uh, one is DreamHack. Yeah. It happens once a year, every year in Atlanta. Um, there's another one called Momocon, um, they just postponed it this year, but Momocon is a very large uh, 50,000 plus anime cosplay and esports event that happens also here in Atlanta. I know there's some things that go up in Charlotte in like that research triangle area. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was we actually partnered with DreamHack and we created the first Esports Week experience. And what that experience was was that if you were an educator, a nonprofit leader, or a corporate marketing marketing executive, you would come to DreamHack. But then within DreamHack there was Esports Week where we were coaching these different stakeholders on how esports can benefit their businesses and their lives um, for whatever you know success looks like from their own perspective. Um, that was very long winded, but you know. My journey into this was a a lot of, co- co- lot of years of just playing video games with the desire to then actually manage traditional sports and technology. And right. then I literally found about esports, which was that boxed up and bowed perfectly.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I got to be honest with you with that entire segment there, all that kept going through my head it was Ratchet and Clank. That's what my all time favorite games do. I love that. No, like Ratchet and Clank. is a classic, man. A ratchet and Clank. That's awesome. Um, so shifting gears just slightly, community. Yes. What's their mission? What, what are you trying to do with that organization? I know we've spoken privately a little bit about it. That's one of the passions I have as well. Um, but I want you to talk specifically about what prompted you to start that and where it's going.
1: Yeah, so in the summer of last year, I want to say probably within May, early of May and June, somewhere in that time frame, um, the, so the state of Georgia is one of 12 or 13 states right now in North America that actually offer esports as an interscholastic high school sport. So our high school teams are competing for state championships here, just like they would in basketball, football, or baseball. Yeah. Um, so as this was being created, we were a part of, I was fortunate to be invited to Um, Some of the conversations with the athletic directors that were responsible for building these programs for the schools here in Atlanta. And so through those conversations, it became very evident that minority-centric schools did not have the resources or funding to then create these esports opportunities for their students. So you'll have DeKalb County, Cobb County, um, and some other in like North Fulton that all have full blown out labs and teams And their students are getting opportunities to attain scholarships, to go to Georgia State, Georgia Tech, or Kennesaw to study, then engineering, and, you know, kind of the list goes on. So in my mind, I was like, how do you have a city like Atlanta where the culture is really what defines the city as a whole? But in this emerging, thriving industry, you're leaving out the core product being these minority students, right? So for me, it was sitting in a room of about 20 athletic directors and then seeing the ones that raised their hands versus the ones that didn't, I said, okay, if this is happening right here in this scenario. I can almost promise you it's happening in almost every major city throughout North America. Yeah. Um, and so for us, that was my prompt. I didn't need data. I didn't need to do research. That was my real-life case study was right in front of me. So we started talking with those schools and figuring out what were the gaps, what were the challenges, do they have students that were interested. And lo and behold, the minority centric schools had almost double the interest than the other schools did. Wow. So for us, we're like, okay, the kids want it. The schools want to bring it. They just don't have the know-how, the resources. That's an opportunity now for community to be created, to kind of augment all of our relationships, all of our esports industry resources, to then be a resource for these students to then have these additional opportunities. Because for us, again, it's not about giving kids a chance to play video games. That's not my job. My job is to present the academic and professional opportunities to the institutions so they can better start shaping curriculum and other outside opportunities for their kids to be successful.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I love that. I love that. And I think that's part of the disconnect to a degree. And when I say that, meaning kids in middle school, high school level, um, they want to play. They want to play with their friends, if at all possible, because it is a social avenue as well, especially nowadays. Everyone's kind of stuck at home. That may be one of the only sides of the phone, one of their better social outlets, if you will. But I don't know that the parents have bought in fully into understanding what lies in that beyond the gaming aspect. All of the academic opportunities uh, from a scholarship perspective, collegiately, uh, to a career path, really. uh, And developing those interests that those kids inherently may have and trying to um, foster that and help them along those pathways and and being able to get that across the board for every school obviously in my my opinion is incredibly critical and important. So um, you talk about the finances portion of it. Uh, Obviously there's a large interest as you alluded to. What are some of the other barriers currently uh, in trying to get some of these communities more involved with esports?
1: Yeah, so like, I would say the biggest difference, right, is then when you talk about games and their demographics, or more or less the genres, right? So, for and again, just kind of be straightforward, a lot of the games played at the professional levels that generate a lot of money, Dota, League of Legends, those aren't popular games within African-American, Hispanic communities.
0: Correct.
1: Um, so one of the, I think, easiest and most simple fixes is that when you're talking about, um, opening it up these for K-12 through 12 and then collegiate opportunities is then also including games that those schools and their kids would actually play. So for an example here in Atlanta, um, the three games played at the Georgia high school um, level are League of Legends, Rocket League, and Smite. Now, if I took those games to any of the schools that we work with, the students may be familiar with Rocket League just because that's soccer with cars, right? right. But League of Legends and Smite, that's Real time strategy based, and that's just not of interest to those kids. So, simple adjustments could be adding titles that are relevant for those students to participate in um, because then that matriculates through the collegiate level and then ultimately the professional. So, thankfully, you know, more things are coming online like the NBA 2K League, like the Call yes. of Duty League, but at the same time, those are starting at the professional level. And right. so, esports is like the only sport in history, I believe. Um, that has started at the professional and now working backwards to build out K-12 through and collegiate opportunities. Yeah. So what's really exciting for us then is that as this entire industry is being built and a, a subset of students is being left out, it now gives us the like literally the leeway to then design that entire framework and infrastructure of what that looks like, not only for K-12 through students, but then also for historically Black colleges and universities as well. Yeah. Um, and that and that's kind of like what we're looking to do. So one of the lowest barriers of entry, again, outside of cost, is just the games that are played at that next level could be a little bit. You know, they could be expanded upon.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I was excited to see pro players playing the NBA Two K tournament recently. I think Devin Booker. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Whole that thing. was pretty cool. That was pretty. A liked- uh, com- uh, feedback. I don't know if that was more popular or the horse game um right.
1: they did the other night but right. at the end of the day and, and so to your point and i'm sorry to be long but i get excited about this stuff no, uh, i'm like super excited so that then also then presents unique opportunities for outlets like fox and espn because if you're able to be one of these early adopters to this new reality of providing and creating entertainment there's going to be tv licensing deals so then when you're talking about you know revenue and how parents can see their kids tying into it it's like when I look at the NBA or uh, MLS or NFL, the same exact jobs exist within, the NBA, uh, within eSports if okay. you're not playing. You know, they need marketers, they need team coaches, they need nutritionists, they need mental psychologists. So when we talk about careers within eSports, I don't want people to think that we're talking about, hey, let's go get this specialization in sports nutrition for eSports. Is No, get sports nutrition degree. And then figure out how these digital athletes need to enhance their diets and then perform better in a long period of time. Right.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I see the same structure as well. And yeah, a variety of t- attorneys, right? They'll need agents for a number of these players that currently yeah. you know, there's there's just so many standards that still are looking to be set within the esports space in general, that the job opportunities are just going to be enormous. And those are opportunities that you can take to any platform, whether it be esports, baseball. MLB, uh, NFL, NBA, it doesn't matter. Uh, Entertainment, et cetera. So I think that's the the huge plus for people that are getting into it. They can transfer that into anything they want. Obviously, if their passion's here, they may look here first, which I love. Being passionate about the job you have is always cool. um, But ultimately, it can leave a huge window of opportunity available for them. Um, Talked about the games and being able to relate to those games. Another aspect I think that it becomes important is being relatable to some of the players. Yeah. Um, you think about, you know, in the NBA, you go to a basketball court and you see guys 15 feet behind the three point line saying Steph Curry or taking it to the hole. I'm LeBron James yeah. or Michael Jordan, uh, playing baseball, swinging with a sweet swing, Ken Griffey Jr., mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. Guys they like to emulate. So in the esports world, Is there someone, are there a few people? um, Who are some of the people that kids can kind of look up to, whether it's content creators or players, um, that you may know of currently, that are in the eSports space?
1: Yeah, so I think it's cool. So I, at least from my perspective, and again, you could ask a hundred other people this, and they'll give you a different answer. Uh, especially when it's like minority gamers, I like to look up to Myth. Like he's awesome. Um, he's usually plays Fortnite. He's been playing the new Riot game, um, Valorant. That's Valorant. Yep. releasing later this year. But I think one, he's like, I, if I were to make a comparison, he is my Steph Curry of esports. Good awesome. person, good personality. Very good at what he does. Remains humble but still like very charismatic. But then we're, to answer your question in a little bit of a different way, I think truly where the kids will find inspiration is through the musicians that they listen to that are gamers. And so for the audience that um, is listening, um, so again, we're a relatively new organization. Um, I would like to think we've done a lot since the beginning of this year. Um, so like the first event that we did, I know you know this, Rick, but just to share for the listeners is uh, we actually partnered, the way that we like to operate is creating like these edutainment environments where we'll have an educational component and entertainment to then drive change. So in February, we partnered with FaZe Clan and then with Offset being an investor in FaZe Clan, we actually had 200 students throughout Metro Atlanta, never been exposed to esports before a day in their life. Uh, We brought them to a gaming center. We spent the morning doing like fitness and wellness exercises and teaching them like very high level around computer science, computer coding, and then Offset shows up, right? And when I tell you this literally changes the complete dynamic of the of the event, because for the first time you have these kids in this foreign room and all these lights and computers, then you bring one of the most renowned artists in the world and like someone that they look up to that's an investor in looking to educate himself in the space. And then at the end of the evening, he actually gave away a $10,000 scholarship, oh, cool. to about 30 kids, 30 or 40 kids to attend Axis Replace Esports and STEM summer camp, if we're able to still have it this year. Right. So I don't really, my perspective, because of how the landscape is already set up, there's not enough of them in that professional space to then tap into. So then it's gonna be the offsets of the world and his buddies then coming on board to then go back and then tell the kids about these opportunities that they themselves just learned about as well. Right. So I think it's gonna be more of the musicians and professional traditional athletes that are gonna help bring light to these younger kids that currently don't have a lot of exposure and experience in space.
0: Yeah, could not agree more. I I firmly believe that um, the more kids can look at whether it be professional performers, uh, musicians, athletes, or athletes within this genre, the more they see that, the more they can kind of link to, hey, I can, that's pretty cool, and I want to do that. And hopefully they can follow Absolutely. the passion. So that's, that's awesome. Let me ask you, kind of flipping the switch, looking at how kids look at it versus parents. Um, sure. Currently, and again, dealing with K through 12, what do you think most parents, based on your experience, how do they view this space? How do they view esports in general? And what are potential opportunities that we have in terms of helping them along that pathway? Uh,
1: waste of time, get off it, do your homework. Those are like the normal comments that, that we hear. And it's actually really funny. So we have a poster child. His name is MJ. Uh, well, he goes by Joseph. And so his mom actually does our PR and communications. Um, and it was really funny because before meeting Joseph, MJ and his mom, um, she was that parent. She was the parent saying, hey, MJ, you're spending too much time with the games, go do your homework, or you're falling." you know, just kind of that mantra. And then one day she shared after MJ didn't come down for dinner. And then she went up to his room. She's like, what are you doing? Food is ready. And she noticed he was building a rocket um, in uh, one of the flight simulators. Wow. Nice. Um, and he was like, actually exploring space. And she was like, instead of now being the berating or nagging, hey, go get off. She was like, what what are you trying to accomplish in this? He's like, well, mommy, like I have an interest in aerospace and space. And this game allows me to explore those different areas and build rocket ships. And I'm learning about STEM. And so then from that, she actually took that as a learning experience and did her own homework about esports. And now she's like, when I have a parent that has objections, I like talk to Luanda. Um, and her son is like, like a very high performer. His grades have always been, you know, extremely well. And this that is his coping mechanism um, to kind of keep engaged with students. And so when I talk to parents, I'm like, it's very hard to wrap our heads around this, but we just have to come to terms that this is a trending industry and it is a sport. And it is where kids like to spend their time. So I think if you just look at the traditional parent-child relationship, I don't know if you necessarily want to create that tension of, Taking the kid away where he wants to spend time versus sit down and actually experience what this is like with your child, hear how they're connecting with all their friends that they don't get to see anymore because they're not in school. You know, see how much joy it actually brings them because you know skill sets are skill sets, and now we're shifting more to a digital model. The skills that they're learning in Roblox and Minecraft are equivalent to what you would learn in a computer class in a classroom, if not greater, because Microsoft actually has those inherent tools. Um, so I usually encourage parents just to sit down and explore. For like an hour ask them why they're into it ask them what they're doing when they're playing the game because I promise you the parents react like what they learn from that
0: experience is going to be much different than what they thought going into it yep yeah no doubt about it no doubt and worst case scenario you get an extra time hour or so to spend with your child anyway so can't hurt can't hurt hurt.
1: that's kind of what's happening
0: yeah no doubt no doubt. so lastly obviously we're all kind of stuck at home right now. I know you guys are, are are big into setting up events for the community and things of that nature down the road, obviously nothing real soon, but down the road, what are some of the things that you guys are envisioning providing in terms of events and things of that nature? How can we, I know we're in Charlotte, but what can our community look at uh, online and see what type of presence you're going to try to create down the road and potentially they can come out and support and, uh, participated? What are some of the, some of the things and ideas you have coming up?
1: Well, yeah, beautifully enough. Thankfully, we're only like, what, three and a half hours away from each other. Um, and I was, and it's actually kind of, it's a beautiful thing almost because what COVID made us do it as a new organization and shift our business model and our approach to how we're going about things. Um, so and I guess I would, I'll answer this and it will lead into like the future. Sure. So our traditional business model was going into schools and helping them get eSports labs. Well, that's no longer possible. So now we're shifting to a virtual model where we're actually doing our first fundraiser on May 2nd and May 3rd. We're leveraging some big names here in Atlanta to raise money because this was, was kind of crazy, right? So, mind you, the schools that we work with that don't have esports labs, but the schools we work with also have thousands of students that don't have internet or laptops to continue virtual learning right now. So, we say community is step one. So, like, literally where we're going right now is step zero to, like, actually help these kids get access so that way when school picks back up, they don't have to repeat a letter grade. So, that's kind of like our most important focus right now. So, by doing that, we're doing these esports fundraisers, leveraging some big names throughout the country, but mainly focused on Atlanta influencers um, to help raise nearly $3 million to support 6,000 kids throughout the country, um, primarily being HBCU student athletes. Because one thing that no one is talking about right now is that in comparison to predominantly white institutions, they get on average, their top 10 schools or so, about $2.9 billion in donations um, every single year. Wow. When you look at the top 100 HBCUs um, in 2019, they got 43 million, wow. right? So in times like this, it's not only where are the kids going, but these schools are, are in a position where they may have to close their doors. That's and crazy. so then when you look at HBCU student athletes that don't have access to laptops or devices, they're going to lose their eligibility and scholarships through the NCAA. So right now, eSports, what we're doing is raising and building a big enough circle around us to support these students, because truly, if that all collapses, then we have a different mission because those are our focus group of kids. So moving forward past COVID, once we raise the money, once we get the kids devices, we actually want to put on the first series of um, and ed- entertainment and education platforms at these different universities or within specific cities where we're bringing K through 12 kids, minority students and influencers to then provide these edutainment environments just to increase morale, increase educational acceptance and everything. So in the future, we're just gonna keep doing what we have been doing um, but just do it on a much larger scale because over this time period we would hope is that you know these artists and influencers are building relationships and attachment to communities so that way we can lean on them um, in future times and what I'll add in this right uh, I don't know if you saw some of these press releases yesterday but they're considering shutting down concerts and sports leagues until fall of 2021 crazy so asking myself I'm like Well, what can these people do to not only still have awareness and relevancy, but they can also make money through eSports as well. So it's putting us in a very unique position to not only do fundraisers, but then also consult and do some brand strategy for these influencers, because these managers have never thought like this before. They've never had to do anything different. So now it's creating a lot of business opportunities for us um, in this immediate future.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Different times for sure which takes uh, some creative thinking for, for all of us really to kind of navigate through and, and make yep. sure we identify those opportunities. So Ryan, I think we are just up a little bit up on time right now. So two things, first off, wish you guys all the very best moving forward. Your, your mission as a company is phenomenal. Um, I think you as a person are headed in the right direction and I appreciate everything that you're bringing to the table for community uh, and, and what you're doing in the esports uh, realm as well. So, Sincerely appreciate all your time. Any last words you may have?
1: Thank you, man. Oh, first, always thank you. Appreciate to share our voice, share our story. Um, for those listening, community with an X, straight through. Um, you can find us on social media. I'm on LinkedIn um, because as we begin ramping up this event, we just had a, a Forbes article drop on our fundraiser a couple of days ago, um, and we're doing some more press release. So we would love all the support, and I'll be sure to share that information with you to get to your um, yes. different stakeholders in the Charlotte area as well, Rick.
0: Awesome. And I know John Cash and I are constantly in touch. We will, I'm sure, continue to have conversations sure. to see how we can collaborate and continue to impact our communities in a positive way. So I appreciate all you do. Be Stay safe. All right, Ratchet man. Clank. Talk soon. You still have Ratchet & Clank? No, I don't even have PlayStation. I'm an Xbox guy now.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: that's the one game actually my wife and I can play together, and she enjoyed it literally just as much as I do. I won't Dude, share this. Like a classic uh, title. I won't share this, with her because she won't appreciate probably <laughs> Anyway, take care of yourself. We'll talk soon, I, all right? Appreciate thanks. it.